You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry, turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of The Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. I'm Sydney, one of the hosts of The Setup, and I'm joined by my twin sister, Sam. If you haven't listened to us before, we provide artists and music professionals with the tools and knowledge to move their careers forward. And for those returning, thanks for listening. Who we got on the docket today? We have Fiona Flight. She helps performing artists leverage social media to create and scale successful online businesses. With two decades of professional experience as a singer and voice coach, Fiona is uniquely positioned to understand the challenges that artists are facing today. Today, we are discussing organic social media growth on Instagram and Facebook. Hello. Hi, how are you? Oh, good. Everything's working. Okay, I'm great. Nice to see you both in person. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it's so nice to meet both of you. I've been listening to some of the podcasts and you have a great selection of people that you've chosen. And I love the phrase disruptors. I yes. I think it's so cool. It's like, Thank you. and I, I was, well, I'll save that for the, for the podcast, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I really, I, yeah, it resonates a lot. And I love what you're doing as well. Um, I feel like you've been super active on Instagram. So I'm really excited to talk about um, that topic. To start it off, um, if you can just give us a little bit of background about yourself and um, why you have such a huge affinity towards social media education. Absolutely. So I started as a singer and a classical singer, and I wanted very, very much to become an opera singer and also musical theater. I never, I never could fully choose between one or the other. And I worked really, really hard at, at becoming the best possible singer that I could become and actor. Like I was always thinking about, well, how can I, what, what are the skills I need and languages and, and music comprehend, like how do I music theory, like what, what do I need to know in order to be the best possible performer that I could be? Because if I'm the best possible performer, then I'll get my big break and then I'll make money. Right. <laughs> But that's not the way that it worked out. It didn't matter how good I got. I still was having challenges really making a living. So along the way, I started teaching voice. This is super, super common. And 
I, I created all these different income streams as a performer, performing at upscale retirement centers in Florida and actually like touring Florida's retirement centers and doing weddings and doing Christmas caroling and, and definitely performing in some opera and some, and some musical theater and putting on my own concerts. It was like, so my mind was, was okay. Something's not going right though. <laughs> like I'm supposed to be having this international opera career and it's just not quite working. And my students are incredibly talented and getting better all the time. And they're also hitting these ceilings, especially on their mm -hmm. income. And the final straw for me was actually relatively recently when I booked a tour to Alaska singing a, one of my dream roles in musical theater, the mother abbess in the sound of music who sings climb every mountain. It was sold out 2000 seat shows in, in wow. Alaska, multiple shows. And yet when I really looked at like what I was making, it was like minimum wage. Wow. <laughs> I was like, okay, no, no, yeah. I, no, <laughs> this is, this is not working. So when I was first starting out, we didn't have social media like we did today. And something in me, despite not being a digital native like my kids or not being a millennial, something clicked for me as, as I'm seeing what other people are doing. And I thought, you know what? It is really time to take my power back and to help other performers do this as well. Because singing at that, like there's such inequity mm -hmm. between what the producers are making, whether we're talking about record labels or we're talking about the producers of a, of a musical theater touring production, there's just too much inequity between what the gatekeepers are making and what the performing artists themselves are making. And then there became my passion to first figure out, because I just knew, I knew that if I, that I could, I could leverage social media to create something for myself. I didn't yet know what that was going to be, but I knew I could create something. And I'm, I'm also always been a passionate advocate and teacher. Uh, I was all, already teaching voice, but teaching the technique of voice, all it did was make singers better. And that wasn't the problem. We were already really, really great. So many of us, yes, you have to put in your work. You have to, you know, develop your craft, of course, but there comes a point where that's not what the problem is. The problem is something else. So I just, I just decided I was going to figure it out. And the more I figured out, I started sharing and teaching. And then that developed into where I'm at now, which is a business coach teaching how to leverage social media to diversify your income, to become literally profitable. So that from there, you can create whatever art you want on your own terms. That is the most interesting thing. And it's so crazy to me that the artist is paid, is the last person to get paid. It's wild because that's why the fans are there. So they're, like you said, there's such a crazy inequity happening here. I guess we still can't figure it out. <laughs> 
Um, because there are a lot of things that are outdated, but I think like, especially now things are changing and artists are taking it into their own hands. And I love that you have not only the experience, um, but now you can show them the techniques, not only in singing, but now how to actually brand yourself and promote yourself online, which in fact is a job in itself. There are tips that we can discuss to help them as they're getting started. What would be your your advice um, as they take the leap? Because I know in my experience, like especially with this podcast, it can be over overwhelming and nerve wracking, and you know there's just so much you can do. Um, so, yeah, what would be your advice to those who are very hesitant in jumping on the platform? It's to understand that social media can be incredibly fun. And that as an artist, social media gets to be another outlet for you to create and to share your art. So I really think of social media as being an extension of my art, as opposed to something separate or something necessary or something that's like, I've got to get through it. I just don't think of it like that anymore at all. But I used to be one of those people. I used to not really like it. I grew up with, you know, the first, I didn't grow up with it. The first platform really that made an impression on me was Facebook, but I did not like it. I didn't, I didn't like all the opinions. I didn't like all the politicization. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like the the negativity that I was experiencing there. Since since then, I have found my my enclave on Facebook too. And that's going to be another piece of advice, which is within every platform, you're going to find everything. All the platforms are representative of the world, not even of you know your city or your country, but the entire world. Every single platform has got some mix of all different kinds of perspectives. And The idea for you, in order for you to really enjoy it and like it, is to find your zone within the platform and find your people and find your community. But it's not really just a question of finding them, although there are definitely tactics to doing that. It's also building and creating your community. So on top of all of this, I'm going to say start with one platform. And choose the platform, not that people say is like the best platform for you or not the trending platform. Like right now, as we're recording, that's Clubhouse. Not necessarily. It could be Clubhouse. Don't feel like you have to jump onto every new platform. It's just crazy. Instead, look for the platform that you enjoy the most. Literally, which one would would be most fun for you to get started on? And for me, that was Instagram because for me, Instagram was pretty. (laughs) I liked the colors. I liked the opportunity to express myself visually and written. Both of those things appeal to me. And I liked, and also I liked being able to, to express myself visually and written and to be able to see other people doing the same. And then on top of that video. So find the one that excites you, that lights you up. And then once you're there, start building your community actually actively rather than expecting it to just sort of happen or think that by putting out 
some great content. It's a popularity contest and people either like you or they don't. It's not, that's not how it works. It's not, it's not a popularity contest, which was one of my old limiting beliefs. It literally is just an opportunity for a lot of people to get together and find where they resonate. Instagram's a little bit at least from my perspective, it feels a little bit hard to find your group of people. I guess, how would you start by finding a similar group that you can engage with? Absolutely. So basically you're building your group Mm -hmm. and, and all, and lots of people are sort of cross pollinating. So you're going to find one person (laughs) that resonates with you let's say somebody that makes the same kind of music. It's like similar Mm -hmm. genre. And, and then you create relationship with them. How do you do that? You comment on their posts, you express appreciation, you watch their stories, you DM them to tell them that you liked their Mm posts or their story. You make a friendship (laughs) just like you do in real life. You create real relationships. And as that's happening, you you start to meet the people that that person is already connected with and they start to meet yours. And then you start to form this community that sees each other's posts because the algorithm will show it to you once you start engaging with that person more often and then with you, for example, it just starts to show up more. But that yes, one person at a time, this happens, but you don't have to wait while you're making yeah. that with one person, you can literally find, let's say, a bigger artist in your genre. Go to their, uh, go to one of the, go to their recent posts, turn on post notifications for, I'm giving you really tactical advice here. Turn on post notifications for that particular artist who's relatively big and who's very engaged with their audience and whose audience is engaged with them. Then their post get they they put out a new post, you get notified. You you go there, you comment. You're one of the top comments. You add something to the conversation. You say something meaningful. Other people who admire that artist see that comment. They may be fellow artists or they may be fans. They then see your meaningful comment and then they check you out or they reply to it. You stay there in the comments. You reply to other people's comments that are meaningful. We're not talking about the ones that are like, Hey, great. Or that was awesome. Or fire emojis. emojis. We're talking about creating meaningful conversation. And is it a little bit indirect? Does it take time? Yes, <laughs> it's a, it, it especially takes time, but it is very, very satisfying when you literally are hooking up with people who resonate with you on the same subjects about the same music in the same genre. Well, I was going to say that's super powerful because I think a lot of people get lost in wasting time with scrolling through people's photos and then not doing anything with that. And honestly, as simple as it seems, like sounds, it's hard to remember. Like, like for instance, like building your virtual group, it's like building a group of friends. Like you don't just click with somebody at a networking event or a random bar without continuing that relationship and not just treating it as like a transaction, a one-time transaction. I actually always say that it's kind of like dating. Like you're, you're normally not going to have like 
one interaction, you want to test them out and see and like make sure they're your people. And I mean, that's the only, I mean, it's social media for a reason. It's social. We forget that social. Mm-hmm. And I think the key to this whole part is that you should focus more on engagement and not just think about the content itself. You shouldn't just start a profile to to get people to come to your profile. Like it's reciprocal. A hundred percent. Exactly. Yes. It, it is. It's very reciprocal. And we're trained, like we as human beings are naturally trained to reciprocity. We just respond to it. So it's not a follow for follow or a like for like, that's not what it is. It's just, <laughs> you, you put yourself out there with generosity and generosity follows. It may not be the exact person that you were generous with, but absolutely it's, and it just is going to happen. It starts to snowball. Yes. Yes. And you could definitely see those who are genuine versus those who are not. For example, I know when I get a follow and they expect me to follow them and they have nothing to do with what I'm doing, I immediately see that, oh, I just lost that same, or like, you know, I just lost a couple of follow followers. I can't really pinpoint who it is. Like I don't get deep in it, but I already know like who it's going to be the minute it happens. And also if you don't know what the, um, like the notification for profiles are, it's a little bell next to the bio. I actually, I've never used that before. And I just noticed it like a couple of days ago and I couldn't believe it. And I am definitely going to start using that. And to, to speak to something Sam was saying, it's not about scrolling (laughs) when, because you have, as an artist, you have limited time, right? And the more you mindlessly, maybe we can, maybe Mm -hmm. that's a harsh word, but it, it tends to be what kind of starts to happen. You just start scrolling. That's what leads to the comparisons and the competition and I'm not enough and I'm not good enough, et cetera, and wastes a lot of time. So Mm -hmm. it both puts you in a negative mind space and it, it is not a good use of your time. So instead I encourage you to be super, super strategic putting post notifications on for those accounts that you want to build relationship with and that you want to support, that you want to be part of your sort of core community. And then just pay attention to that, engage there. And that's great. And then Mm -hmm. be strategic when you show up. So you're not going to show up and then just start scrolling through stories and posts. No, you're going to show up and then you're going to see, okay, who are the people that I'm really bringing into my world and that, and whose world I want to participate in? Yes. Yes. And also one thing I like to add to that I've recently loved using on Instagram is following hashtags. Like if you, if you, are seeing the same content because yes, I get it sometimes with the algorithms. Like if you're in, it's like kind of like a, um, reoccurring situation that you're getting into where you keep seeing someone's content and you love it and you engage with it. And then you keep seeing the same person's content, a way to like kind of break the mold is following hashtags that are meaningful to you. Just do some search and error and trial or trial and error and see, um, you know, the types of posts under those hashtags. And if that's something that you would like to see in the future. With hashtags, we have to be careful. We need to understand that they are 
necessary and super useful in terms of our own content. We need hash. We need to use hashtags. It's not, it it may be harsh, but it's like, it's stupid not to use them. Use hashtags, like just use them. And, and exactly how many you can research people say use not the full 30. Some people say use the full 30. Some people say seven. I'm, I'm of the mind that you should use close to the full amount and you make them relevant to your content, make, uh, to make them super relevant. You want to have something in it that actually speaks directly to what you're talking about in the caption, but you, it's also a huge waste of time to be, to be worrying about what exactly hashtags you should be using on each post. So what I like to do is create groups of hashtags for the different types of content that I create that I can rotate between. And I leave a little bit of space so that I could add a couple hashtags that are super specific to that particular post. Um, when you are searching hashtags or deciding on a hashtag to follow, you you want to make sure that you're not just seeing the most popular posts. And so following hashtags can be useful, but you're going to tend to see the most popular ones. Whereas if instead you choose which hashtags you're, or in addition, you choose the hashtags that are going to be helping you connect with the people that you most want to connect with. And then you go to it directly and go to recent you go to recent, you're going to see ones that are maybe not so huge as the ones that are showing up under top. And that way you're going to be able to connect with people who are also in more of a growing phase or Mm -hmm. who are fans and that'll help you out too. That is such a good point um, that I forgot to mention too, because yeah, there are two tabs and the likelihood of someone engaging back is with the recent post um, because the top mm. ones, of course, like they're top for a reason. So they're probably getting a lot of comments, a lot of likes, and sometimes you get lost in the engagement there. And and really quick, so what you know, what did you um, mean by grouping your hashtags? Is this like saved on your phone locally, and then you just copy and paste? Exactly. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I didn't know if this was another function of Instagram that I just didn't know about. That would be okay. If anyone from Instagram is listening, that would be so freaking helpful if they did that, Samantha. I think you're on to something. But how would you group them? Like, do you use certain categories? Yeah. How would you tackle that? Also to what Sam was asking, actually on apps like Later, I'm pretty sure Later does have that function where they say- That's true your hashtag groups. And also there are apps that suggest hashtags to you as well. For me, uh, you know, it's on the kind of content that I cover, right? So I cover content that is specific for indie artists. I cover content that's specific for music teachers and other kind of performing artists, teachers. I cover content that is unique or or focused towards opera singers and musical theater singers, because that's my own background. And I also have a course on YouTube. So I have a group of hashtags for when I'm talking about YouTube and I talk about music business. So I have kind of a, a hybrid mix of like indie artist music business hashtags. So it's kind of like 
I've got quite a, quite a few groups and I don't have to think too much when it's like, oh, this post, I'm really thinking, I really want this to go out to music teachers. So I mm-hmm. go and get like that group or this post, I really want this one to go out to indie artists who are like thinking about the music business. Okay. That's that group. And this one, oh, you know, this is me singing. I want this to go out to opera fans. <laughs> yep. What types of hashtags would you recommend? Like, for example, in your instance, when you're um, promoting your own music? Sure. Like opera lover, uh, show tunes, um, bel canto, beautiful singing, classical music. There's going to be some crossover between fans and fellow colleagues, but that's okay. often because the colleagues are also fans, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. That is and true. Also, since we are talking about hashtags, make sure, just like we were talking about looking at recent rather than at um, top, make sure that in your hashtag groups, you're not choosing all of the largest sized hashtags. This is actually a huge mistake that people make all the time. So they're going to, they're a singer or an indie artist. So they're going to put singer singing. <laughs> yeah. So that's enough. So, so singing, si- singer, <laughs> live music, these are bad hashtags. If you have a small account, you're never going to show up. If the hashtag, if more than a million people are using the hashtag, that's not good. That's actually bad because you're, you won't even show up in recent. So what you yeah. want to do is in your group of 26, 25, 30, whatever you're choosing, you want to have one over a million, two in like the over 500,000, one or two at like just 10K or 20K, and then all the rest in the middle, like 50K, 100K, 300K. We're talking about number of people using that hashtag. So hashtag size, that's really important if you don't want your content to get lost in the hashtag. But but we're talking a lot about hashtags and I just also want to bring it back to the fact that hashtags are an important thing to use and then move on from. You do not want to be spending a whole lot of time going, uh, what's my perfect hashtag group? How is this one performing? Oh no, I need to like reboot it. It's like, no, just create them, use them, move on, check on them occasionally, change them sometimes. But most of your attention needs to go towards creating your product to sell, product or service, diversify Mm -hmm. your income so you have resources to put back in or to live on, to live comfortably because you deserve that, and engagement, building community, and creating really wonderful content. Also, like just to reiterate, save your hashtags so that you could save time, whether you're using a tool or, you know, notes in your phone or Google Doc or whatever. Like, yeah, you don't want to keep spinning the wheels there. Um, are there any tools that you use to generate hashtags or do you manually search for them in Instagram? There are tools and I don't use them. There are lots of them. Uh, and, and that's great. And since we're talking about hashtags, also be aware that there are banned hashtags. And so it can be a good idea to double check that your hashtag isn't banned. It's crazy. Like something like girl boss could get banned because somebody's posting something inappropriate about girls. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, But, but adding an S to, to it. So maybe it's like, beauty blog is banned, but beauty bloggers is not banned. These Mm -hmm. are just random 
hashtag random um, hashtags. But so, so that's something that if you have the time, if your hashtag group doesn't seem to be performing, you could double check to see if any of them are quote unquote banned. Uh, that being said, I like to do the going down the rabbit hole of um, of just looking at the hashtags and and checking them out and seeing whether what kind of content. I mean, I do I do the work. What mm-hmm. kind of content is being posted under this hashtag? Is it it people who are using this hashtag are they likely to click on my content? Is it relevant? You know, you may think that there's a certain type of content that will be under that hashtag, but maybe something different. I mean, that's just one piece of the puzzle when when looking at the the types of posts that you are publishing. Um, so let's talk about the types of content to get musicians started. Um, what would you recommend? I mean, of course, there's the, you know, like live performances and um and, you know, new music that's coming out. But I've always stuck to a rule where you're kind of providing more value and your like passions versus pushing your music all the time. And I think that's something that musicians may get wrong <laughs> because that's kind of the lowest hanging fruit. So, of course, we're going to grab at it. Um, so I'm just curious, like the types that have worked for you. Absolutely. I, this is such a great, great point. So people come to Instagram primarily for inspiration, education, and entertainment, right? And so is is like boring promotional posts, does it fit any of those categories? Basically not. Does your music video fit the categories? Yes, it does. But if you don't have community and they don't really care about you and you don't have a name, they're not going to stop to listen, no matter how good it is. So you've got to be creating community and and relationship and creating content that hits all three of these uh, points. Well, it doesn't always it doesn't always have to hit all three, but it can. But it always has to hit one of them. It always has to be entertaining, educational, or inspirational. I think that a lot of musicians get stuck here because they think that the only thing they can do is create entertainment, but then they second guess themselves and is my music really entertaining? Is it really Mm -hmm. valuable? Is it really inspirational? They never really think about adding educational posts and what that would look like specifically for them. And so what and also they don't know how to promote themselves well. So they're constantly doing things like cold DMing their followers to go Mm -hmm. check out their new Mm -hmm. music video. Nobody's going to do that. It's like, ask, it's like some guy at a party, you know, (laughs) saying, Hey, let's go to the bedroom or something like it's it's not like you skipped a bunch of steps in the process. (laughs) Right. Of warming up your audience. And so um, we do always want to be constantly practically promoting our our music and our art, but we have to know how to do it effectively. And a big part of that process is actually the foreplay for this (laughs) metaphor Mm -hmm. that I'm using. Um, So uh, when we think about the educational content that you could be producing or creating, it really has to do with your artistic journey and the behind the scenes and uh, interesting 
um, tidbits and historical facts about the genre. If you're thinking about like you're in a genre, any genre, right? Every genre is fascinating in and of itself. What are its roots? How did it develop? Where did it come from? You're appealing to fans of your genre too, especially if you're new. That's part of how you're getting people in. It's like, I do, you know, country rock. I do, um, you know, grunge metal, like, especially if you're starting to mix, mix genres that it gets more interesting or I'm, I'm a opera singer or I'm a, I'm a classical crossover. Then you start to like, if I was talking about classical crossover, I could refer to Andrea Bocelli, you know, do you, do you think of him as a opera singer or a pop singer? Like, and then talk about, well, when did the term classical crossover originate? When did, when did Mm -hmm. that people start using that and who were the first people? And like, that's fascinating to people who love your genre, whatever the genre is, who were there, who are your influences and who were their influences. Yes, This is all educational kind of content that you can share that really warms up your audience that makes them interested and excited to see their, your posts. The more your audience gets to know you in this way, the more excited they're going to be to take it to the next level of really appreciating your music, potentially joining your Patreon, where you share even more kinds of content of this kind and and of your music, right? That is, I love that you use the word appreciate because that really is what it is at the end of the day. When I think of my own habits, I one day do not really, I don't really like this one artist, but then all of a sudden I like find myself down the rabbit hole on their like Wikipedia page. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea that they did this, this, and this to get to where they're at today. And I listened to the same song and I'm like, oh my God, mind blown. Listen to the album, like mm-hmm. put it on repeat all day. It's just, it, it really is so true. If you take a step back and really think about like, why you listen to things you listen to and why it resonates and looking more at the long-term versus like, you know, things that are just on the charts for like a couple of weeks. Yeah. To follow that up, an artist, an example from, from myself is Amanda Palmer in her book, The Art of Asking, right? That's what it's, The Art of Asking. Um, in that book, I listened to the audiobook. And I, I really didn't know her music that well, um, but the audiobook include. I mean, it's such an incredibly, incredibly compelling book, and it's perfect for this topic that we're talking about, right? It's not necessarily. It is called the art of asking. It's not uh, necessarily about Instagram, but it is about how to leverage you know, your fans to create, you know, to to create something incredible, Mm -hmm. which is what she's done. Um, And to to better understand what crowdsourcing really means and how to, like, (laughs) you read that book and it's like, she didn't create, and and for anyone who doesn't know, she she was the first person on one of the crowdfunding platforms, the biggest one, I forget what it's called, to hit a million dollars. And at the first artist to do that, or I don't know if she was the first person, but definitely the first artist and, or, or musician. And you think, oh, it's just fans pouring out their money to her. Well, actually, it's kind of like Patreon, where she 
the things that she gave in exchange for their money was like, it was a whole industry there of production that she had to do, whether it was like autographed, uh, you know, autographed stills or, or actual literal paintings that she made or house concerts at somebody's home that she traveled to. Like it's, it's not, it's not like, your fans just give you money. You actually have to have a plan for how like the reciprocity, the energetic exchange. So it is an incredibly great book for anybody who hasn't read it, The Art of Asking. But I I listened to her on audiobook and the story itself is so compelling. She tells it so well. This is like a memoir. It's so vulnerable, so personal. So many crazy things happen to her during the, the parts that she's sharing and to a really close friend of hers as well, who becomes a central character too in the story. When she added, so in the book form, you get additional photos, which I didn't get, but they didn't mm. get the additional audio that I got mm. of her songs. And the songs in, in just those right moments, it was like, oh, it hits you so deep because they're all so personal. That's so smart too, by the yeah. way. <laughs> so it wasn't this. I was not, I'm not a fan of the genre. I wasn't familiar with her, but getting to know her songs in the context of her full story made me a fan. And so that's what you want to be doing in your Instagram as well. And very few people understand this or are doing this. So anyone listening, really start diving into your personal story and how it connects, always how it connects back to your music. So you don't want to Mm -hmm. just be like using Instagram as your personal journal and like sharing too much. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about really sharing what's most authentic to you as it relates to your music. And that is what it can be your superpower in terms of really drawing people into your world. Yes, because it'll be more relatable than you think, even if it's like, you know, the most mundane thing. Sometimes if it inspires you and it it's what contributes to your craft, like it's important. A great quote to follow that up is what's most personal is most universal. I love that. I love that. I hope I can remember that for the future. (laughs) Just listen to this a bunch of times when you're editing too, and you'll remember. Hey, you already know I will. (laughs) Everything burns in my brain. I can remember everything of every episode. (laughs) (laughs) So on top of the content, I'd love to know if there's a certain way that you would recommend creating like the foundations of Instagram, for example, the bio. No, I recommend that they go to my highlights and they look at IG bio audits. <laughs> and I'll I'll share more here. Mm-hmm. You can you can see it in action because this is it's really rather simple, but people are constantly ignoring it or don't understand how to use it. So from time to time, I'll ask my followers who wants an IG bio audit, and then I'll share it on my stories. And then I'll save that to a highlight. So start with your photo, right? People think they should put up some like unusual and unique uh, photo, or they think they should put their band's logo. Uh, If it's a band page, okay, put your band's logo. But if it's a a personal page, 
your your music page and don't put a logo. People connect with people. We want to see your face. Mm -hmm. Super, super important that we can see your face, that we see your eyes. Don't make it black and white. Make it really pop with color. A bright background can really help. So there's contrast between your hair color and your shirt and that background. So for example, if you're over on Clubhouse, so in I actually have screenshots of this in my program, The Profitable Performer Revolution. I have a segment on, on um, your Instagram bio. And in there, I have screenshots of Clubhouse where you only see a whole bunch of profile pictures. Yeah. And Side note, use the same pri- same profile picture across, across platforms. So whether you're on Facebook or Clubhouse or Instagram, use that same profile photo so that your followers can easily, oh, there mm-hmm. she is. Oh, there she is there. Oh, great. Um, but anyway, when you're looking at these screenshots I did of, of Clubhouse profiles, it's like you immediately can see how nobody's popping. Oh, there's somebody who pops. Mm-hmm. I can, I, my eye immediately goes to that photo because there's color, there's presence, there are eyes, you can see the face and there's contrast between the foreground and the background. So don't do something super artistic with your guitar covering part of your face. (laughs) Don't do a profile, just, you know, just a really clean headshot is going to work the best. I'm, you know, save that creativity for something else. <laughs> Cause I'm super creative in that way too. I get it. We're artists. We want to be unique. This isn't the place for that. Be unique with just you because there's no other you out there. So that's your profile photo. Make sure that you remember that your handle and your profile name are both searchable. So in the mm-hmm. Instagram SEO functionality, those two lines are searchable. So you don't want to put your full name if nobody knows who you are in both places because nobody's searching that. You might want to put it as your handle so that if people are searching for you, they'll find you. But then for that searchable line, your profile name, use just your first name and then what you do. Are you, a, you know, and get specific, get really specific in your niche because people are searching that. And if it's something that is, you know, not super popular, that's great because then when people search it, you're going to show up for your unique genre niche. Right. Um, so that's that line, make your, uh, you know, the bio itself, make it say something that makes people want to follow you. (laughs) And for, for more ideas, check out my, my audit, but you don't want it to be like loves coffee and dogs. <laughs> no, that's who doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Tell them exactly why they should follow you there. So for me, I help performing artists go from broke to bank. You know, that's really, really specific. That's what I don't know if that's my current one, but that's one that I is easy to remember that I've used it before. If you're if you're you know focusing more on your music, then it's like fall. Oh, here's one that I like from from one of my followers. Um, follow my journey becoming an opera singer really, you like, you know, exactly what's happening. And he's, you know, he he delivers on that. Like he just did a very emotional uh, IGTV where he talks about um, getting into grad school for opera. So whatever it is, the reason that people should follow you, 
Mm-hmm. And it, it's got to go deeper than just the, the kind of music that you're playing or the fact that you play in coffee sh- houses, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. wh- what's, what's real. What's, and then also don't forget your CTA, the call to action. Instagram yes. only gives you when you have less than 10 K followers, one way for people to click, to get you somewhere else, make mm-hmm. sure that you make the most of that. And ideally to something that will make them join your mailing list. Make sure whoever is visiting your, well, first off, make sure that you're um, searchable, that people can find you. If you're using your name right now, maybe add music if, so that people don't land on another person's um, profile and they don't want to play a guessing game. Um, but also when they land on it, it's really nice to know right away um, what you're getting you know, make it as easy as possible for people to follow you. People can um, be able to do what they want to do, whether it's listening on YouTube or any of the streaming services, or if you have a website or yes, a mailing list, which is very important for musicians, which is another episode that we will talk about that and the importance and how it fits in to your music promotion and release strategy. But I think that's a really great start and a way to build that foundation. Talking about those getting more than one link rather than link tree, which yes, a lot of people use, you can create your own link tree just on your website. You just create a page Mm -hmm. that has the links to what you want it to go to. And then you share that page of your website. And if you have a website, then that's a great way to do it because then you can actually track your metrics. You can see who's clicking, how, how many people are clicking, you own the traffic as opposed to using Linktree. You don't actually own that traffic. Just like mm-hmm, we want to get them to our email list because we own mm-hmm. our email list. We don't own Instagram. This podcast episode is brought to you by Banzoogle. With Banzoogle, you can make a beautiful website easily and add an email signup form to grow your fan email list. No more Linktree or smart URL necessary. Start your free trial at the link in our episode notes. And to your point, you can't really, like there are some stats, but um, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really go towards your domain authority. For those listening, that's a whole nother topic as well that we will get into. But um, yeah, I think it just overall, it just helps make you as a entrepreneur, as, as musicians, you should look at yourself as a business. I'm sure you heard of that over and over again. So you want to make yourself as legitimate as possible. And that's a great way to do it. Exactly. Let's talk about the new features. I'm like you, Instagram is my go-to and more than anything, I love the new features that are trying to like when people over from like other platforms that are coming out, such as Clubhouse and TikTok, have you been using like IG Live, IG Reels? How would they go about using them? Absolutely. So IG Live is a great place to go live with your music. <laughs> that seems like a no-brainer. Uh, <laughs> and but one of the things that was happening earlier in the pandemic in 2020 people were going alive a lot on Instagram, on IG, on, on, on Instagram live and realize like, yes, in the beginning it was creating community and they were feeling like it was filling a void, 
because all of the con all of their performances had just been canceled. And it's like, Oh no, first there was like a lot of depression, but then mm -hmm. people started with like, I got to perform. So they started doing IG lives, which was great. Right. That was a good use of like getting yourself to, um, out there again, but you know, it was also somewhat like not the best use of time and energy to, to do full concerts on IG live with no donation buttons, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, like really lasting purpose to the, to that content. So I highly encourage artists to do IG lives and do a variety again of like, I, I love behind the scenes. You're getting ready to do a virtual concert that people are going to pay for do an IG live of the getting ready for the concert as opposed to then filming the concert. You do that getting ready to the concert, people are coming along for the ride and then they wanna see the concert. So then they'll go pay for the concert, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that, and then the same thing afterwards, you can give you can give a little post-concert um, post IG, I'm take, do you know, this is how I do my takedown. You can let it be educational because both fans and, and colleagues that are, you know, learning, maybe not as advanced as you or at the same level as you, they're like, oh gosh, this is what, you know, the fans are like, oh, this is what the, I didn't have any idea it took that long to set up or that long to take down. And your colleagues or your, or the people that are, are, are learning are like, oh, I wonder how she does that. You know, I wonder how she sets up her amp or how is she handling the, you know, interfaces between the computer and the, the amps or the, Etc. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at my um, thing and forgetting the name that has all the cords connected to it. <laughs> there oh. are lots of lots of things that have lots of cords connected to yeah. them when you're putting on any kind of concert, whether it's virtual or or um, live. And that's the kind of thing that you think is so normal and like boring because you do it all the time, but actually it's interesting. And so that's, that's some fun IG live. Then you can, you could do like a series where you go, uh, live with one song once a week and your fans get to your followers get to vote on that song. And like, you could have the song, um, you could start the voting at the beginning of the week and then narrow it down. Uh, like Monday you could share, okay, these are the five songs you get to choose between. And then on Wednesday, it's like, okay, you can choose between these two songs. Okay. I'm doing your favorite of those two songs on Friday on a, as a live. So that's like a great way of generating engagement and enthusiasm and excitement. Uh, so yes, so we do IG lives, but we do, we have to be a little careful not to mm -hmm give away our whole concerts for free, like, like people were doing earlier. I don't know how many people are still doing that, but that was happening a lot. And then reels are so important right now. And I should take my own advice because <laughs> I have done, I, I did do some reels, but I have been um, supporting my clients and the students in my program right now so much. There hasn't been that much additional time for mm -hmm. reels. And I'm always saying master one platform first. And by master, I mean, be able to not necessarily like master the kind of content, but just the amount of time in your schedule that it requires. And I, I've got YouTube going and I've got my Facebook group and I've got Instagram, the stuff that's easy for me. Reels at the moment are 
take just that little extra thought that I don't have. So I, right. I did some and I benefited from the algorithm. And so part of me is like, why are you doing more reels right now, Fiona? But I'm in the I- same boat <laughs> as you because they're trying to mimic a little bit like TikTok in that sense, where it's a little bit different, where they send it, you know, to a hundred people, they see if they like it, then they'll send it to a hundred more when you post and so on and so on. That's why things go viral so quickly there. The same with reels where I found that I post like, I'm not even kidding. It was the dumbest first video to test it out to see if it was worth my time. And it hit like 2000 eyeballs. And I'm like, that's crazy because I didn't use any hashtags. And so I agree with you. I'm like, I I need to like, just put it into the, into the shuffle there. I think that the thing to take away from this is that always pretty much any platform, the second that they introduce a new feature, you want to jump on that particular feature because for a period of time, not always, not forever, but for a period of time, they are going to push out that content in order to encourage more people to use it. And so that's what's happening right now with Reels. In terms of my advice for how to use them as an artist, uh, you do, you, you want to do a combination of your own like original playing and music uh, in that little short section, right? Like, let's say you just put out a new YouTube video to promote it. You could do the bridge. You could do the high note. You could do some part of it. You could do a like the beginning that is um, less famous that let's say it's a cover and there's like an intro that people don't know as well. What's this song? I'm going to do the whole thing. You like, I just released the whole thing on YouTube. You can do that, but you want to mix that with using the trending sounds because again, if we're, if we're using reels specifically to increase our chances of going viral or mini viral based on what our, what our size account is already, then the trending sounds are the ones that people are searching because they're doing the same thing, looking for the trending mm-hmm. sounds that they can make their own videos on. And then again, favored by the algorithm. So if you're using a trending sound, then you want to see, okay, whether it's like some funny talking, somebody talking about, you know, uh, one of one of the ones I liked was like a, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-uh, you know, like <laughs> random things like, like that. Um, you, you just figure out, okay, how can I make this make sense in my genre You or my, in my, the kind of content that I create. And you can even do like just using a trending sound and doing tips and the tips or uh, don't have to be tips, but instead can be like, um, genre points, right? Mm. So if we're like, how can we educate? It could be, it could be, um, you know, the, the, the history, like this is what this history and here's history tip, here's history point number one and history point number two and history point number three about the kind of music genre that you are a part of. And again, then that's educational and entertaining and interesting to the other people that are into that genre. And one of the cooler ones that I saw, well, I should say not cool, but like um, that I really liked uh, because it showed like, again, the vulnerability of the artist, little facts about yourself that are very entertaining that no one would guess about you that you want to share. I saw someone like a rapper 
um, right, that their favorite genre is country. So I thought that was really interesting. It makes me go back and think. Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely. Another great way of using it. For instance, if you're going to do IG live um, and say if you have a big community on Instagram, but that's not really where you monetize that. How do you migrate your community that you built on one platform and kind of help them move it to maybe a platform that'll help you monetize your work or even to a platform that you like? Absolutely. It's a great question. And here's another good quote for everyone. It takes a platform to build a platform. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea of kind of cross-building platforms consistently. But again, if you're just starting out, don't spread yourself too thin. Really stick with one platform, master it to the sense where you have a good idea of like, you're in a flow with creating content that you like for that platform. Mm -hmm. And you're able to manage your time in terms of your commitment to that platform. So you make a commitment Let's say Instagram, I I would recommend, ideally, you're posting three times a week to your grid. Maybe one of those is a uh, reel, ideally. And then mm-hmm. you're posting daily to your stories. And some of those stories are going to be a deeper dive. And some of them are going to be that, like, this is what I'm having for breakfast thing that you're not posting on your grid. Do not post happy Monday. Do not post to your grid. Here's the smoothie I had for breakfast, but you can post that on your stories just in terms of creating relatability. Um, So how you want to get people off to somewhere else. So first of all, you want to decide where do I want them to go? What, what am I monetizing? So you have to be really clear that you have something that you're monetizing. And then there's, this is, this is actually kind of the, a a lot of what I help people, what I help performers to do. Um, But we have to decide, okay, are you, are you want, are you going to do this as a launch? And that's like, requires a certain amount of like a whole launch plan and launch sequence. And, you know, I think a lot of musicians are familiar with launches from the old school, like record labels and, Mm -hmm. and touring and putting out your album that way. But we're talking about a launch that you have total control over on social media. And so are we, are we going to do like a full social media launch, which involves, you know, a, month or more of content that you have ideally pre-created so that you're, you're not like having to create it in the moment. And then you're, you're dripping that out and scheduling it. And it all goes to promote this specific thing, whether it's a single virtual concert or an in-person concert or a, uh, your album release or, or whatever it is. Or is it something ongoing, like let's say your Patreon, where we're really wanting over time to continually have people moving into our Patreon where they can then help us uh, monetize, right? And that, I like to think of that more as a soft launch. So, and this is where we get into the effective promotion, self-promotion, right? So it's always going to be a mixture of this like fully value-laden content that drives people still to your paid offer, whatever that mm-hmm. is. And it, 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 there's, a, there's quite a few strategies, but the most important one is to create that warm audience that wants to buy from you. 
and to get them to your email list, because then (laughs) your email list, you're also consistently marketing to them. Again, sharing valuable content. I like to think of it as the monetization piece is like, hey, no matter whether you're a business coach like me or you are a musician, it's like, isn't this amazing content that I'm sharing with you? Would you like to go deeper? If you'd like to go deeper, this is how you do that. I can only imagine that trying to move or migrate a community or fans from one platform to the next, unless they're super fans or you know want to follow your every single move and every single platform, I can only imagine how planting the seed takes a little bit of effort. I guess, would it be a similar strategy if we were, if I was just trying to move fans from like Instagram to Facebook, even I guess going a little bit deeper by like engaging in groups on Facebook, how would you, I guess, go about promoting that kind of engagement even on that platform? Yeah, absolutely. And I did that for Facebook and also for YouTube, Mm -hmm. but it goes back and forth. Like, I don't really think about, oh, I need to get my Instagram people over to Facebook. It's more like, I want to get my content to as many people as possible. And I want the people who want my content to see it as easily as possible. Mm -hmm. So my Instagram people are typically on Instagram with me and on Facebook with me. And my, maybe somebody finds me on YouTube because of the SEO. And then on, let's start with YouTube. How do I get people from YouTube to my other places? Because Mm -hmm. YouTube is a distribution platform, right? It's not a communication platform. Mm -hmm. And whereas Instagram and Facebook are both distribution and communication platforms. So I'm over on YouTube and in my video at the beginning, I say, and by the way, follow me on Facebook for, no, I don't say follow me on Facebook. I say, join my profitable performer community. It's a high vibe, you know, group that is, so cool. (laughs) 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 But you want to be there. Don't miss out. Come and join us. Be part of the conversation. I provide even more valuable content there for free. Come join us. So that, that helps. And it gets them from a platform where I am needing to stand out amongst noise to my own group, where it's just me in there. Um, uh, really nurturing my Mm -hmm. audience. And I also say, follow me on Instagram where I provide valuable mini trainings most days on IG stories. So I'm giving them a real reason why. And I say, by the way, download (laughs) this um, profitable performer roadmap. It's nine steps to teach you how to create a profitable business as a performing artist, the link is in the description below. So now I'm getting them to my email list. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm providing real value. So no matter where I'm sending people, I'm saying, look, this is why, if you're enjoying the content, this is why you might want, I'm inviting you, you might want to, engage with me in these other places because I create different kinds of content for the different places, but it's all really valuable. There is a funnel and Mm -hmm. um, you're nurturing your fans down it to an ultimate goal, um, Mm -hmm. whichever that may be. In this case, it sounds like collecting emails because that's very important, but also it could be 
directing them to your new release um, or, you know, buying a ticket to your show. Um, so it all relates to one another and they all serve a certain purpose. And what really caught my attention is like, I didn't think about this way, but I love that you said um, not only a distribution, but communication, um, mm-hmm. because I've always kind of looked at certain platforms as distribution, but it is so true that Facebook groups are communication. No one's going to click your link when you send it to Facebook groups. They're there to, you know, crowdsource information, help one another out, be a community. Don't just be like, hey, and by the way, like, I just released this EP. Where'd that come from? Warm people up, man. And if they liked you enough, if you had a back and forth conversation for a couple of days and contributed in a meaningful way to the group, they're probably going to do their own due diligence and look at who you are in your profile. Like that's, that's the purpose there. You, you don't want to put it, throw it in their face. You, you want them to ask for more information. Yes. And also I think something Sam was saying too, that she was noticing is that the different platforms have different content strategies. Mm-hmm. So you want to be really, and this has to do with the mastering of the platform. You want to have a really clear understanding of why people go to the different platforms and how they are different. So like Instagram, you really want to have more visuals, right? And longer form captions and not always, but some people like to read on Instagram. They like to see the pictures on Instagram and yes, there's video on Instagram, but it tends to be a at least where I hang out on Instagram, it tends to be a very uplifting and inspiring kind of place. Whereas Facebook, people really like to share opinions on Facebook. So when you're creating a Facebook post, it might be the exact same content as that Instagram post, but just tweaking the beginning a little bit to make it more of a question, what's your opinion? And sprinkling more of like, do you agree? What do you think uh, throughout the post is gonna make that Facebook post more effective than if you had just copied and pasted it from Instagram. Also from the perspective of engagement and, you know, surrounding yourself in that community, how are you, I guess, monitoring that within Facebook? Um, If you're joining groups, how are you monitoring the engagement? Okay. So talking about Facebook groups, Facebook groups are an incredibly amazing resource on Facebook that people don't really realize. (laughs) And, And a sad thing for artists to understand is that you're your page, like your fan page is not going to get a lot of attention. (laughs) Like even, even once you build it out, like you have a pretty big following, it's still not going to be the place where people are really going to engage the most with you. Part of that has to do with the Facebook algorithm. The fact that Facebook sees the pages as businesses, you need to be buying ads, et cetera, if you're a business. So people want to engage with you more personally. And that one, when I was managing a celebrity's account at one point for Facebook, it was so clear that all the fans wanted to engage via the personal page and not via the business, the fan page at completely. And I have found that for myself as well. Um, That being said, let's skip those entirely and talk about the groups. Mm -hmm. And so there's two things that you want to be doing in groups. And I do both of these as well. One is to have your own group. So you want to have your own group so that you can get all of your fans in that or your followers, you know, or your ideal 
clients or your ideal students, because a lot of musicians are also music teachers, you, you want to decide what the purpose is for your Facebook group. So maybe if you're a musician who's also a music teacher, the purpose of the group is really to nurture students, or maybe it's to nurture your fans. You have that Facebook group just for you to engage in it more directly with that group that are showing up only for your content. So mm-hmm. now instead of having them be like competing for their content uh, with the other posts on Instagram or the other YouTube videos that are showing up to watch next, they're just there in your Facebook group to look at your stuff. When, when they're on that page, there's something else to look at. So that's a great way to be using Facebook groups. Then the other way is to be engaging in other people's Facebook groups. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, you're not going to like the equivalent of the cold DM to listen to my music is to just drop your links. No, <laughs> just another great place to build relationship. You can from there encourage people to follow you on, or not, not usually to follow you, but it's like, Hey, let's connect over on Instagram and then have a DM conversation over there. For example, could happen, or you're just connecting with someone and you just automatically look them up because you're interested on Instagram that creates further connection there. When you're in Facebook groups, what you most want to do is provide value. So you're in somebody else's Facebook group. You're just providing value without self-promoting because any of the, you know, like, gosh, it's like going to somebody else's party and like taking it over and saying, (laughs) you know, Hey, or going to somebody's concert and like jumping up on stage and starting to perform your own music. Like that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody else's Facebook group. And you're like, look at me. I do this. You should pay attention to me when it's their (laughs) Facebook group. That's not the kind of value I'm saying in the comments, engage answers, people's questions in a, in a, generous reciprocal kind of way, support the creator of that particular community, create relationship with them too. Don't, don't be a, you know, moochie kind of, I'm going to just like take from this. You're always wanting to contribute. And then really it's about building relationship and also doing market research. So Mm -hmm. market research, like what is it? What covers are like, let's say you are in the Facebook community of an artist in a similar genre who is just further ahead in their career. Right. And you see people consistently ask for a cover that you hadn't thought to create. Then you create it. You don't even have to tell them like, Mm -hmm. Oh, go watch my cover of that. No, that's like, that's rude. (laughs) Just create the cover because you know that people are wanting that cover. That's exactly the same reason why I use it. Like if you don't engage because, you know, you don't want to say, which I get sometimes, um, use it for market research. See, like it's social listening, like see what people care about. And if your, you know, service or product can help them with it, like can fill that void, can get like, can be a solution, solution to their request. Thank you for discussing like not only Instagram, but Facebook groups. I feel like we've gained like a wealth of knowledge um, from building a following, hashtag usage, type of content, new feature hacks. What do you want to be known for? I want to be known for helping performers to become profitable. 
Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> if we, yeah, if we didn't get that from this conversation, that's why I love your mission so much. Mm-hmm. I think there is a stigma that music musicians think that they have to have this crazy following to make a pretty penny. And that's not true, especially with all these tools and services at their fingertips. And so it's great to have someone like you to help guide them through it. So thank you so much, Fiona. It was such a pleasure to have you on this episode of the setup. I love helping singers to understand that they are singerpreneurs. And as you, one of you said earlier, we have businesses. Every musician is running a business. Like they just, you have to start thinking of your career. A lot of the time people think of their performing as a career. You have to think Mm -hmm. of your career as a business and you are the business owner. So if it's a career, people will, you know, you could be a lawyer and that's your career, but you're working at a law firm. No, you, you may have a career as a musician and you own your own business. <laughs> yeah. And that is something that I want. I just really want musicians and artists and performing artists to get that you own your own business. And the sooner you claim that responsibility, the sooner you can, can become profitable. Major snaps over here. Yes. And I feel like I could relate so much like, and, and, and I think it ties in with your, with your wellness and mindset, think of yourself differently. Like you'll start to act on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thanks again for all that. It's all very true. I couldn't agree more. And we're just so appreciative that you're on this episode today. Yeah, It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I was happy, happy, happy to be here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com.